Kapag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo Baka tuluyan na kayong di matuntun Hi, my name is Mark. I'm your narrator here at Sagittarian Project, a history podcast featuring readings about the dark years of martial law in the Philippines. In continuation of our belated banned books week special, we'll continue reading from the first chapter of The Conjugal Dictatorship, one of the books banned by the Marcus regime when it was published in 1976. In the previous episode, we heard about the bribery attempt to stop Primitivo Mijares from testifying before a U.S. Congress subcommittee in 1975, after his defection from the Marcos government. Before we proceed with our reading, just some quick notes. You may follow Sagittarian Project on social media. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Project and on Instagram at Sagittarian Project. New episodes are published twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the Sagittarian Project is available on all major podcast platforms, namely Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Now to our reading for today. We're going to read Primitivo Mijares' thoughts and motivations that made him finally decide to leave the Marcoses after years of propaganda work for the conjugal dictatorship. We are reading from Chapter 1, A Summer Night in Washington, D.C. I prepared for that appointment with history. Earlier, Salzburg informed me that I would have 15 minutes to read a prepared statement before the committee, which is chaired by Representative Donald M. Fraser, when I testify on June 17, 1975. The rest of the time would be utilized by the committee members to question witnesses. I realized that 15 minutes would be too short for me to be able to spell out the lurid details of the story of an evil man's lifetime planning to become his country's first dictator. Would it be possible to submit a lengthy memorandum that I could submit to the committee as an integral part of my testimony? Fortunately, Salzburg answered that it would be perfectly all right. I then decided to view my forthcoming testimony before the Fraser Committee as an opportunity to make public an outline of the book I have promised myself upon defection that I would write for posterity, not as a money-making venture. Questions, of course, are being raised as to why I, quote, jumped from the Banig to the Sahig. I have answered this by stating that what I am trying to do is to protect the integrity and patrimony of the country from the merciless plundering by Marcos and his gang. In civil law, the children have the right and obligation to take court action against their own parents to protect the legitimacy from being impaired by the improvident spending of their parents. It was in this spirit that I took the actions I did on February 20, 1975 and other occasions. I will persevere in this course of action. I spell this out in my defection statement of February 20, to wit, History fated me to bear witness at very close range and even champion the imposition by President Marcos of martial law in the Philippines on September 21, 1972 ostensibly to suppress an escalating communist rebellion and to establish a new society. As Malacanang reporter of the Daily Express, 
which is owned by the president's family. I became among dictator Marcos's mere handful of trusted confidants at the onset of martial law. As a media man, it then fell on my lot to support and justify the imposition of martial law. On my shoulders were entrusted an intensive and continuing campaign to bend the Filipino's mind toward accepting what the one-time defendant in a murder case for the cold-blooded shooting of a political rival of his father had decreed. I saw myself as nothing less than Hitler's propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, with oft-times more powers and prerogatives than Marcus's own docile, self-serving, and egotistical information secretary, Francisco S. Tatad. But I needed no convincing about the justice of FM's cause. Having covered Philippine Congresses and Philippine Presidents from the Proclamation of Philippine Independence on July 4, 1946, I could see that what we started out to do was in the right direction. With the spreading violence and upheavals in the old Philippine social and economic structure, martial law seemed the only way for the salvation of my poor and ravished country and people. In a word, this patriotic task assigned to me by history, I did with all the honesty and sincerity of feeling I could muster. But now, also with equal, nay, even more honesty and sincerity, I find I must sever my bonds with the so-called new society. The false facade is off. The mask that is the smiling martial law irreversibly shorn off the face of its author and the real appearance of what, after all, is a stern despotism is bared for all to see. President Marcos has wittingly or unwittingly, consciously or unconsciously, digressed and treasonably betrayed with the full and gleeful collaboration of top associates and relatives, mostly in-laws, the avowed objectives that we originally set out to do more than two years ago. By their rapacity, and unbridled appetite for political and economic power, Marcos and his gang has transformed the terms New Society and Bagong Lipunan into New Scandal and Bagong Likuman, respectively, to fit into a parodied term of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Gulag Archipelago, into a dreaded version of a Philippines' Gulangan Archipelago. In due time, I shall have the occasion to bear the gory and intimate details as only a trusted erstwhile insider could have gleaned of the notorious scandal going on in the Philippines that would make Watergate a drop in the bucket and President Nixon a piker placed side by side with Marcos. I must cry out with all the vehement protest I could muster that the martial regime of Marcos was nothing but an ill-disguised plot to perpetuate himself his wife, and or son, in power by consolidating the political and economic resources of the country under his control. What President Marcos is doing in the Philippines, it has now dawned on me, is in accordance with the long-studied, methodically prepared plan to take over an entire country politically and economically for himself, his family, and his cronies, preparatory to setting up an empire. After all this, Marcos has jailed innocent people on fabricated charges ranging from alleged economic opportunism to plotting his assassination. Incidentally, I know for a fact 
as I have gleaned from investigative reports to which I have gained access, that there is no iota of evidence about the Mafia having goofed eight times in having Marcos killed. Much less is there any evidence that would link anybody now in military custody to any attempt on the life of the President. I shall be dealing on these points in the coming weeks and with other matters involving the manipulation of the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Convention, all to suit Dictator Marcos's objectives. Since the moment of my decision to sever ties with Marcos comes on the eve of the holding of a multi-million peso farcical affair blatantly purveyed as the Philippine referendum, I must dwell on this point immediately. The referendum is going to be a farce. The results are a foregone conclusion. Not even all the patriotism and honesty of Commission on Elections Chairman Leonardo B. Perez can stop the gang of Marcos from reporting that the people voted overwhelmingly for the continuation of the martial law administration. I know whereof I speak. I was one of the few persons who fabricated the results of the referenda held in January 1973 and in June to July 1973. Having made my decision to disengage from and eventually expose the ills of the Marcos military dictatorship, I must at the same time beg the forgiveness of some good men within the Philippine government for whom I have nothing but admiration and goodwill. I wish they would take some risks in the interest of return of democracy in the Philippines, as with this step I now make. This step I now take knowing that it transcends all personal and official consideration, risking as I now do even the very lives of my wife and children in the Philippines. With this step, I must abandon my country temporarily and seek asylum in the United States of America, along with my associate, Attorney Crisostomo D. Ibarra. For I must now cry out to articulate the anguished cries of sorrow and pain of the millions of oppressed and dispossessed Filipinos. Having lost their civil liberties at the onset of martial law, they are now in grave danger of losing their hard-earned patrimony in the hands of the rampaging dictator Marcos and his gang. I might have added, but found it unnecessary to state that I was probably naive to think that in the changed situation in the Philippines, as in the martial law situation, ideals would prevail. I had not realized that the ruling clique must perforce get the lion's share of everything, as authoritarian regimes go. I have tried to explain fully the rationale, as well as my sorrow and regrets for the present course of action I am taking, in a document which I hope would reach my family and my countrymen in the Philippines someday. Unfortunately, I have doubts if most of them would ever understand my motives, considering that the martial regime's propaganda machine had launched an overkill campaign to destroy my image and credibility with what is known as black propaganda. To my mind, the point that should be grasped is not whether I am a good or a bad man. It is whether I tell the truth about the martial regime in the Philippines. Most of the things I have said and now write about extensively have been or are matters of public knowledge among the people of the Philippines. I am just here providing some heretofore unknown but logically acceptable links to fit things into the Marcus Jigsaw puzzle of perfidy in my country. That concludes our reading for today. Thank you to Ateneo Press and the Mejares family for granting us permission to use the book for the readings in this podcast. 
Thanks also to Gary Granada for the music on the show. And thank you for listening to the Sagittarian Project. If you enjoy our episodes, please consider subscribing to this podcast and leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts to help us get more people to listen to the show. You can also follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please let us know by sending us a message on our social media accounts, Sagittarian Project on both Facebook and Instagram, or email us at sagittarianproject at gmail.com. That's it for now, and see you in next week's episodes. Kapag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo, makatuluyan na kayong di matuntun. Kahit saan kayo magtago, kung may ulo ay may pako, makatuluyan na kayong maibaon.